The following audio is from Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee, where our mission is to follow Christ and His mission of loving people, places, and things to life. For more information about Christ Presbyterian Church, please visit ChristPres.org. Our scripture reading today is from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to Christ. Thank you, Elizabeth. Uh, Ark, can we just leave that scripture up, that scripture slide up for the sermon? Uh, Since it all fits on one, that's great. All right, well, fruit of the Spirit. We've been in the book of Galatians now for a few months. Um, This passage right here is, if people know anything about the book of Galatians, this is probably the thing they know, right, is that the fruit of the Spirit are in there, and and so we've made it uh, to this to this passage on the fruit of the Spirit, and I am excited to talk about it because um, I would imagine that for a lot of us, when we think about the fruit of the Spirit in this passage of Scripture and what it means for our lives, I'll bet there's, for a lot of us, some confusion, and I'll bet for a lot of us, there's also a lot of just mistaken application of this passage. And so I'm excited for us to get into it uh, because there's something really powerful uh, that Paul is saying in this passage when he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit um, that is here. Uh, and it has to do with, with the freedom that is ours in Christ. Newfound freedom can be hard to embrace, can it? Have you ever been given a newfound freedom and you just don't know what to do with it? Uh, maybe you uh, graduate from college and now the world is open to you and you're not sure exactly what to do it. One of my favorite uh, images of the difficulty of embracing newfound freedom comes from the movie Castaway. Please tell me y'all have seen the movie Castaway. If you haven't, this is going to be hard for you. <laughs> you should see it because it's a Tom Hanks movie and Tom Hanks has artfully done that thing in filmmaking where he's just avoided making the bad movies, and he generally just makes the good ones. Um, But Castaway is a movie where Tom Hanks plays a FedEx employee uh, who's an efficiency expert, and he uh, is in a plane crash, and he becomes stranded alone on a deserted island where he lives for four years by himself. And in that process of living on that island, he goes through this transformation where he's this kind of soft, pudgy guy who who avails himself generously of the technology and the resources at hand, and now he's in this place where everything is a fight. Uh, Getting water, getting food, staying protected and, and having shelter, all of these things, none of it is provided for him. He has to find all of it. And so he goes through this incredible transformation. He lives in a cave. These FedEx boxes wash up on shore and he takes these you know, VCR tapes and things like that and he makes a raft out of resources on the island and, he, and after this kind of harrowing escape, he's rescued 
and he's taken back to his home where they've, they've buried him by this point. They've had a funeral for him. They've, 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 they've grieved his, his passing. And now he's back and they have this celebration and it's a beautiful, funny scene where he's in this incredible banquet and it's just this spread of these giant, meaty crab legs. And all he's been eating on the island has been like these little wimpy crab legs. Um, and it's just this, this extravagant spread and it's all overwhelming, right? You're getting the sense that he, this is just a bit much. And after everybody leaves the celebration, the, the, the camera goes to his hotel room. And as the camera starts to pan across the room, you hear a clicking. And it's a light going on and off, on and off. And he's flipping a switch. And the camera, you don't see him. And the camera goes to the edge of the bed and then it pans across the bed and he's not in it. And then it pans more and you see that he's actually laying on the floor next to the bed with his hand up on the nightstand, clicking the switch on and off for the lamp that is there. He has everything he needs. He has this bed with pillows and yet he can't sleep in it. He doesn't remember how to sleep in a bed. The cave floor was what he'd become most familiar with, the availability of light with just a switch is a confounding idea to him. And I think this is where a lot of Christians live when it comes to the freedom that is ours in Christ. We've been rescued. We've been rescued from lostness. We've been rescued from separation from God because of sin. And yet we struggle to rest in the refuge that Christ has built for us and instead, what we spend our spiritual energy on is trying to figure out what place Christianity will occupy in our lives. How do we deploy it? How do we use it? And we do this all while the Holy Spirit is actually living in us. So, if, so, so one of the pieces we have to start with in understanding the fruit of the Spirit is if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, <clears throat> if that is your faith, the Holy Spirit right now, lives in you. He doesn't visit you. He doesn't show up when you have the discipline to wake up and do your devotions in the morning. The Holy Spirit lives in you now. Okay? So if you're a believer in Christ, I just told you something true. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so when we get to the fruit of the Spirit... We're talking about something that the Spirit does and that he does in us and he does it in us because he is in us. And the fruit of the Spirit are all about the freedom that is ours in Christ. The fruit of the Spirit are God's gift because of his love. Not because we've worked really hard and we've obtained them, but they're the promised result of living our lives before the gaze of God with our faith in Christ in relationship with him in such a way that we are being right now even sustained by the Spirit's work in us. If Christ has set us free from the condemnation of the law, then when we come to the fruit of the Spirit, we don't just come to a list of more things that Jesus is saying, you need to strive to attain these things, you need to get your things together in order that God might look at you and find favor. 
<clears throat> That's not how this works. Instead, what we find is a promise. That's what this is. This is not a motivational get up off your seat and get busy and make these things evident in your life so that you will look like Jesus. No, these are a promise. They're a promise, a glorious promise of results that we actually can expect from the Spirit's work in us. And so I wanna give five, <coughs> excuse me, five characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit as a way of explaining them and, and making application of this passage uh, because it's important for us to get a sense of what this, what this is. So and here are the five. I'll, I'll, I'll give them all to you right now and then I'll unpack them individually. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit are, are one thing with many facets. Spiritual growth is gradual. Spiritual growth is inevitable. Spiritual growth is comprehensive and spiritual growth is interdependent. So I'll... I'll unpack those and I'll, I'll say them again uh, as we go. But the fruit of the Spirit are one with many facets. So when I think of the fruit of the Spirit, the best image that I can come up with is, is a cluster of grapes. It's that kind of fruit. Um, meaning, uh, it's really one fruit. It has distinct parts, but it's really one fruit. Or maybe an orange would be another way to think of it. It's one thing with distinct parts, but those parts make up the whole. And the image is there, right? All of these fruits, they grow together. They draw their nutrients all from the same source. They're all clustered together, and yet they're comprised of distinct parts. And so when we're trying to earn God's favor, our tendency is to try to break the fruit of the Spirit down into separate fruits. And so we say things like, okay, this year I'm really gonna work on my joy. Um, last year I really <coughs> had, a, had a lot of opportunity to work on patience. Uh, maybe next year I'll work on goodness. But the problem here is that the fruit then become an objective for us to achieve rather than the promised result of the Spirit's work in us. They grow together. They grow together. So the fruit of the Spirit grow together, and they grow together by the Spirit. Second, spiritual growth is gradual. So as the fruit of the Spirit grow in us, it's a gradual and even a seasonal thing. Um, it can often be a slow process, spiritual growth. So if you look at your life and you feel like, I, I feel like I go through seasons, I feel like I'm in a season now where I, I struggle to measure the process of growth. I, I don't know that I can, I can see it. <clears throat> or I had this other season in my life where it seemed like spiritually I was just, I was just running and gunning and right now I feel like I'm just, I'm just in, a, in a dormant period. And I would say to you that's not necessarily a sign of bad spiritual health that sometimes the fruit of the Spirit grows in season like fruit does, right? Anyone who promises you Christian maturity overnight or through the reading of a book or, you know, if you read this book, it will unlock uh, the key for you to know. It, they're, they're selling you something that you don't need. Growth in the Spirit is gradual and it's seasonal. The book of Psalms opens, Psalm 1, says, blessed is the one who follows the, the Lord. The one who follows the Lord is like somebody who is planted beside streams of water. What's the image of somebody who is planted beside a stream of water? It's somebody that's growing gradually and steadily and also oftentimes slowly, right? It's a slow process. I, I, we, we grow at the speed of trees <laughs> is a way to think about it. Our culture regards uh, things that take time is bad, right? Faster is better. 
But how many of you live in a culture, live, live in a cycle right now where you feel like faster is better? I have to, I have to do things quickly. I have to, things have to be efficient. Things have to move, 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 move. It's exhausting, isn't it? It's just exhausting. We get to the end of the week and we look back and we say, I'm not even sure what happened last week. Did I accomplish anything? When we do that, our heart can just gasp for air because we're running at this pace that we weren't meant to run at. And there's a part of us, isn't there, that just longs for stillness? You know what the counsel of scripture is for people who are maturing in their faith? Be still and know that I am God. There's a part of us that understands spiritual growth is something that is always going to be gradual and is going to have a seasonal quality to it. We live in a world that wants to move at the speed of light, but we grow at the speed of trees. And we don't always see it. You know, for me, the the way that I see spiritual growth in my own life best is when I look back, right? So just this week, I was trying to find a text message and, and I, from a person, and I couldn't find it, and so I'm scrolling on my phone, and I did that magic thing when you scroll, and it takes you all the way to the beginning. Yeah. It's rare, and it's awesome when that happens, because it's like you're just, you've been transported through a little hole in the time-space continuum, and, and, there's, and so I was taken back to the beginning of my life as somebody sending text messages, Right? So I was reading some of my very first text messages, which also happened to be coincide with just moving back to Nashville in 2010. And I'm reading these text messages, and just in reading those, I was like, oh, we've come so far in the last 10 years, not just with understanding how to send a text message. Like, I used to sign mine. Now, I say that, some of you in this room, I know, sign your text messages, and you're real fidgety right now, and you're like, they're all laughing at me, I can't let anybody know. But I was reading through, and I was like, I'm a different, I think differently, I'm a different person, I'm not perfect now, but I could see, like, growth, I could see maturity, I could see uh, certain things that I could, I was clearly terrified about. Uh, because of, of, of a move and a transition and a, and, a, and a change in our lives, I could see so much had progressed. And you know what it tells me? It tells me that 10 years from now, when I scroll back to now, I'm going to look at this version of me and I'm going to think, oh, he had so much to learn, right? It is kind of funny when you start thinking about what are the things I'm doing right now that 10 years from now I'll think, wow, I'm glad we're past that season. But spiritual growth happens gradually. It does, and sometimes the best way to find it, if you have old journals, go back and look. Go back and look and see it. It's a great way to see it. So spiritual growth is gradual. Third, and this one's important, and you may not believe me on this one, but I think it's true. Spiritual growth is inevitable. In other words, if you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you will grow spiritually. You will, because it's not you that produces this fruit. It's the Holy Spirit that produces this fruit. Now, before I say any more, I can say yes. It is possible for us to interfere, to hinder the Spirit's work in us with the choices that we make. The rate of growth can be compromised, all that stuff. We can do this in the same way that the Galatians were doing that, by indulging in sinful appetites, by reverting to legalism, to clean ourselves up. But the promise 
in this passage is that because God calls us to himself and because he gives us his Holy Spirit, he calls us to himself for this face-to-face relationship with him that we were created for since the foundation of the world. His spirit is actively growing his people according to his perfect will. God is not asleep at the job. He's not. If you have the spirit of God living in you, you will grow. If you have the spirit of God living in you, you have grown. And that growth won't merely be for growth's sake, but for the sake of the intimacy of your relationship with God. God is actively at work in us. It's hard to believe sometimes, but it's true. It's true. If the Spirit of God lives in you, the fruit of the Spirit are growing in you. That's kind of a glorious promise, and it's hard to get our minds around, isn't it? But how could it be anything else? This isn't the fruit of Russ. This is the fruit of the Spirit who lives in us. Spiritual growth is inevitable. Fourth, spiritual growth is comprehensive, meaning it it occurs in every aspect of your life. Um, So the fruit of the Spirit, when you look at the list here that's in in this passage, when you look at these, these kind of fit into some categories that span the whole of a person's life. The first you have is love, which is the umbrella that's over all the others. Right, the greatest of these is love. Love, as we learn from the great commandment, is chief overall. And under the umbrella of growing in love, the virtues of the Spirit then span all of the human experience. So when we come to these next ones, uh, joy, peace, patience, these are distinctly Godward virtues which characterize our relationship with our maker, resting in his sovereign grace. My joy, my peace, my patience comes from knowing where where my security lies, right? It it resides with God. So those are Godward fruit of the Spirit. Then you get to kindness, goodness, faithfulness. These are social virtues, right? These are virtues that are other-centered. These characterize how we relate to other people. So we become kind and good and faithful in our inner relational life. And then we get to gentleness and self-control. These are both virtues of character, right? Those are, that's part of our character that we become gentle people. We become self-controlled people. We're self, these are self-focused characteristics of the stuff that we're made of when everybody is watching and what we're made of when nobody's watching. And the Spirit's promise is to grow us as whole people, to grow us in our relationship with God and our relationships with others and in our internal character, that God is growing us comprehensively like this in every aspect of our lives so that we will be more and more like our Messiah and free from the condemnation of the law. And of this, Paul says, against these things, there is no law. There is no law against any of these things. These are right and just and holy. John Stott says it this way, if the function of the law is to curb, to restrain, to deter, there's no deterrent needed for any of these things. And fifth, spiritual growth is interdependent. The fruit of the Spirit are linked together and thus growing together. So at its most basic level, growing in the Spirit is growing in grace. 
The fruit of the Spirit are components of one's growth in grace. They're like grapes or like the segments of an orange. They grow together. And so some people may have temperaments, right, of patience or gentleness. You may meet somebody and you think, oh, such a, that person's very gentle or very uh, self-controlled or whatever. But, but don't mistake that for what's being said here because the fruit of the Spirit are not marks of temperament. They're actually the result of the Holy Spirit working in the life of the Christian. They're the function as the fruit of growth. So you're not gonna grow in patience. What this means is you're not gonna grow in patience without also growing in self-control. You can't, right? You can't grow in patience without growing in self-control. You're not going to deepen in your sense of peace with God without also deepening in your faithfulness and gentleness toward other people. They all spring from the first virtue, which is love, and they're all growth in grace. And so we can know that the Spirit's desire is not merely to grow one aspect in us, but to grow them all together. And so this leads us then to the question of what's our role in any of this, right? What's our role? If the growth of the fruit of the Spirit is all the work of the Spirit, then what is my role in this, if any? Because you can't rescue yourself from the condemnation of the law. Jesus does that. You can't present yourself as acceptable before God. Jesus does that too. And you can't sustain your life in the spirit because Jesus does that too, right? So as one who has been rescued and who has been presented as acceptable to God and who is being sustained in life by the spirit, what can you do? You can sleep in the bed. You can, you can partake of the feast of the gospel now and you can say, I believe that the Holy Spirit is working in me and I will live according to that promise and seek to work then alongside with the Lord. So I have this really long quote from a theologian and I am not gonna read it. Um, because I don't know if I've, I, sometimes when I'm preaching, I don't know if, if, if there's a point where I lose the room, and I can get in my own head sometimes and think, oh, I've lost the room. I'm not feeling that way necessarily right now, but if I read this really long quote, I'm feeling like I'm going to lose the room. <laughs> so let me say this as a way of concluding. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. And, and I don't mean that you have friends and you have people around you to encourage you, although that's one of the things the Lord gives us by his grace. What I mean is, Scripture tells us you have nothing less than the Spirit of God living in you and never not living in you. And that is as true as the chair you're sitting on right now. Our work is to walk according to the spirit, not walk according to the flesh. We work because God works. We don't cooperate with him as though he does part and we do part and together there's a whole because that would imply that there's a point when God stops working and it's on us then. But he works and we work. We're working together. We're working alongside. We're, work, we're working with God as he works because he works. We work my plea for us is, listen, we have been given freedom in Christ. 
We are not condemned by the law. It is not our responsibility to make something of ourselves for God to love us. Sometimes what this looks like for us is a fight. J.C. Ryle, I came across this quote this week. He said, a real Christian can be known as much by his inner warfare as by his inner peace. I love that quote. A real Christian can be known as much by his inner warfare as much as by his inner peace. Sometimes walking by the Spirit is a fight, right? It's a fight knowing that there are things raging in our lives that feel so wrong that we long for the end of, and yet these, these fruits are growing in us because the Spirit is living inside of us. And some of us are really fighting right now. Some of us in this room are really, we know each other's stories. There's been a tornado, right? We have friends of ours who lost their home in that tornado and are trying to, you know, just rebuild basically from the ground up. We have people who are recovering from surgery. We have people who are grieving loss right now. We go through seasons that are hard and disorienting. You may be in one of those seasons right now and you're, you're just you're struggling to know which way is up, where God is in all of this. And what this passage is telling us is, listen, the Spirit of God is living in you, and He's working in you. He never lives in you and does nothing. He lives in you and He works in you. And what He's doing is He's bearing fruit. And sometimes that fruit grows gradually. Sometimes it's seasonal, and we see it happen, and, and, and we have seasons where we're feeling particularly fruitful in other seasons when we feel particularly dry, that's not because the Spirit is gone. It's because the Spirit is working in a cyclical way with His fruit, in a seasonal way with His, fr- with his, with his fruit. But we don't walk and we don't fight alone. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us growing the fruit of the Spirit and that fruit is multifaceted, it's slow growing, it's inevitable, it's comprehensive and it's all connected. And that fruit is this, it's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, and it's self-control. And against such things, there is no law. You have been rescued. You have been brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God already. And the Spirit of the Lord is working in you. That's the promise. Pray with me. Lord, I thank you for uh, this passage that gives us a picture of the kind of work that the Spirit intends to do in our life. Uh, Lord, I thank you for the, the fruit uh, that are listed here as the Spirit's work. What, what great things uh, you develop in the lives of your people. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Lord, would you mature those fruits in us? Would you give us patience in seasons when we're struggling, in seasons when we're not sure we can see growth, to know that growth happens in seasonal ways, that there are winters where by all appearance something has no life and yet at the same time there is life. And even as we walk outside of this building and look at trees and look at uh, the, the flower beds, we see bulbs pushing up uh, the, the tulips and we see the buds beginning to form on leaves because there is life in those trees. Uh, there's life in those plants and they are doing what they do and that is bearing fruit and growing. Uh, Lord, and it's an image and it's an allegory, it's, a, it's an illustration that you give us to understand the Spirit's work in our own life. Help us to believe it. 
uh, and to embrace the freedom that is ours. Uh, And for the places in our lives where that means repenting of actively rejecting those things in favor of satisfying our own appetites, Lord, give us courage and strength and help uh, to do that. We're thankful for your mercy and your grace and your kindness. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.